Welcome to Minnesota. Welcome to Wisconsota. Whatever you call it, Minnesota and Wisconsin are neighbors in a unique corner of the upper Midwest. It's a place of winding rivers, deep blue lakes, endless trails. And don't forget the cheese. I'm Mark Nikolaski, a lifelong Minnesota journalist from Duluth who's traveled the world and knows my home state is more than snow, cold, and losing football teams. I'm Keith Ulig. I live in Wausau, right in the center of the state, and I write for the newspaper here. Join us as we explore all the beauty, culture, and adventure in the great states of Wisconsin and Minnesota. If you live here, we'll take you beyond the farm fields and Twin Cities nightlife. If you're visiting, we'll show you all the places that make our state special. Join us on our adventures in Wisconsota. You mean Minnesconsin. No, Wisconsota. Minnesconsin. Wisconsota. Okay, there they go, Earl and Jerry and the bartender polka. You're listening to the Minnesota Wisconsota podcast. I'm Mark Nikolaski. I'm Keith Ulig. And uh, today, Keith, we're going to talk about authors from uh, the Minnesota region. And uh, yeah, we've got plenty of them out there. We've got yeah. a beautiful area to write about. So, uh, yeah, certainly inspiring territory to, to write. Uh, yeah, I'll start things off here, Keith, uh, with the, you know, the first, the first novel I ever read as a teenager was set in Minnesconsin and Wisconsin. It was called The Windchill Factor. And have you ever heard of it? Nope. No. No, what's it about? Who wrote it? Where's it set? A guy named Thomas Gifford wrote it in the 1970s, and it's a, uh, a neo-Nazi uh, type story where the Nazis uh, kind of come back to life in a town called Cooper Falls, which Ooh. is actually a pseudonym for Taylor's Falls. Ooh which is uh, just up the river from the capital of Minnesconsin, Wisconsin, Stillwater. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful town right on the St. Croix River. Uh, there's a, actually two state parks there, isn't there? Uh, yes, there is. One, there's one on each side of the river. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think I was a teenager when I read it, and I think my dad recommended I read it. It's a, you know, a mystery uh, thriller. Um, you know, I don't really remember much of it. I remember I read the whole book and was like, wow, this is cool. Um, <laughs> did you relate you know, to it? Did you, did it have a lot of description of the, of the Minnesconsin area? Uh, well, you know, I, I was very familiar as a kid with Taylor's Falls. So I think yeah. that's maybe one of the reasons why my dad recommended it is that I would right. kind of identify with the area. Yeah. Um, and I was a, a big Hogan's Heroes fan, so I knew I knew a little bit about World War II and the Nazis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, yeah, you're an expert if you've got Hogan's Heroes, <laughs> right? Hogan's Heroes background. And so, no, I remember reading it like in the car, going up to the cabin and that kind of thing. And uh-huh. uh huh. You know, it was a yeah. I mean, it was a. a kept you on the edge of your seat and you know wow kind of uh, the world is in uh, total uh, rebellion kind of thing dystopic kind of uh, you know next step world war three kind of thing 
Yeah, it and sounds uh, like it might might have been uh, prescient, right? Yeah, that's kind of well, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it was about uh, about uh, you know, as I remember looking back at the the plot outline on the internet here, it was uh, about a guy who's who was like uh, heir to the Third Reich. And uh, I think his his father had been maybe some kind of Hitler type character or huh. one of the other leaders. Huh. And uh, yeah, so it was like this uh, young upstart uh, guy. And I think, he, as I remember, he didn't really want to have anything to do with the Fourth Reich. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, the 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 he just wanted to live in Taylor's Falls in peace. And, I think that was it. I think and, that was and it. And then the neo Nazis came and said, "Hey, dude, we gotta, you gotta be our figurehead guy." That's it. That that was it. And there was some mystery as to because he didn't know that he was, um, that he was heir to this this yeah. uh, uh, thing. So yeah, so he there was a lot, and his brother was murdered, and there was a you know, it was a, uh, I guess a, for a teenage mind, it was uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. Could have it been uh, set anywhere else? Well, you know, I think the reason it was set in Taylor's Falls was because the author, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Gifford, he was actually born in Iowa on the uh, in Dubuque. Uh-huh. So not far from Minnesconsin. Yeah. I just wonder why he chose uh, Taylor's Falls as a setting. You know, is the setting a key part of... One of the things I like when I'm reading books like that are, you know, is the setting a character in the books, so mm-hmm, to speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, you know, I don't, it, it didn't dawn on me in, when I was 14, but, right. you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think he was probably familiar with that area. And I don't know if he lived there because he did move to Minnesota, according to his biography. Yeah. And uh, spent some time in Minnesota, so he must have been familiar with the area, and he probably wanted like a remote, beautiful, uh, wooded area kind of thing that would, you know, the house in the woods and that kind of stuff where the all the intrigue would happen. Right, uh, right. And you know, there's some big Gothic lumber baron type houses in Taylor's Falls now too that look very mysterious. <laughs> Uh, small town yeah so uh that was a an eye-opening book as a youth it's uh, funny uh, i mean that kind of reminds me of uh of the author that that i have in mind her name is victoria houston and uh, she's a current author i haven't read a ton of her books but i've sort of looked through them i've done stories about her uh she is an author who grew up in Rhinelander. She, I, I believe she moved away, Chicago or something like that, and, and did some like public relations work, and then moved back to Rhinelander and started writing what she calls Loon Lake Mystery series. And uh, she's also an avid fly fisher woman, and uh, fly fishing always always has uh you know a key part of of her uh of her work and loon lake is is obviously you know stand in for rhinelander 
and uh and and and, and she uses that you know in, in her yeah. case those that setting is is a character and of course the characters are typical wisconsin characters too what does that mean oh weird you know oddball guys uh yeah. uh just uh ex, ex eccentric people who wear you know outdoor clothing and do weird things <laughs> It sounds like uh, uh, Gifford should have set his uh, neo-Nazi thriller in, in, in Rhinelander. Yes. Well, that's why I was asking. Taylor's Falls, is, it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't, it lacks a certain zing for neo-Nazis in my, in my opinion. You know, yeah, it's a Rhinelander would be perfect. Rhinelander is, you know, it, it's not a stretch. Uh, uh, that area of the state ha has in the past been uh, associated with some, uh, you know, some sketchy characters, some. And it's a forest wooded, you know, you yeah. think the the German Ardennes, you know, that kind of thing. Yep, 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 yep. Can picture the Battle of the Bulge going on up there. It could happen, yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, you know, another author that uh, sp sprang to mind when we talked about uh doing this, uh, talking about authors at, on, in the Minnesconsin podcast. Uh, you know, Michael Perry, uh, he's a Wisconsin guy. I read his book, Truck. Oh, yeah, and, Truck. Uh, he's a musician, too. So, yes, comedian. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. He's uh, hosts the Big Top Chautauqua show up in uh, Bayfield. Yeah, he's, he's and, a, you know, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think he's an ambulance driver, and uh, you know the whole uh -huh. thing. He re remo he finds an old truck, and he's uh, the whole story is about how he's restoring this old truck. Uh, yeah, kind of a yeah, that might perfect be, setting in small town Wisconsin. Yeah, that might be a Minnisconsin uh, uh, theme because I, I remember reading Joe Souchere. He's you know, mostly known as uh, kind of that cranky garage logic uh, uh, columnist for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, but he wrote this really elegant, uh, really nice book called Waterline, in which he uh, uh, works to restore a wooden boat. And uh, oh. you know, a lot about him and his uh, relationship with his father and his relationship because he couldn't he was clueless as to like how to fix this boat. Uh, so he enlisted the help of a grumpy old craftsman, you know, artist craftsman who could yeah. make pieces yeah. of wood, uh, you know, just looking at it. I read that when I when that was way back when I uh, lived in White Bear Lake. And uh, I really liked that book a lot. Yeah, girl, he's a great columnist for the Pioneer Press and he's still around. Uh, yeah, too bad he didn't write another book. Yeah. Oh, maybe he has. I don't know. I haven't yeah. checked. You know, and, and you're talking about wooden boats. Uh, that brings to mind uh, Marlon Bree, a, uh, another uh, you know newspaper man turned uh, book writer. Uh -huh. And uh, he's kind of an under-the-radar guy, mostly self-published stuff. And uh, I remember uh, his books are about uh, a boat he built called Persistence. And his solo voyages on Lake Superior and other large bodies of water and how 
he nearly dies in every single uh, book. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, nearly nearly sinks and uh, very dramatic. What kind and of I boat? remember uh, I remember interviewing him uh, at the press uh-huh. uh, in White Bear Lake. He's living lives in Shoreview, and I think he's about eighty seven years old now. He's still around, uh-huh. and he's still pretty active. Um, and this was maybe twenty years ago. I interviewed him in the in the uh, lunchroom at the uh, White Bear Press, okay. and he was regaling me with all his stories of uh, near death experiences on the open water. And uh, I remember his line, and I I'm sure I use it in the story. He kept saying this: "The waves were tremendous. The <laughs> waves were tremendous." What what kind of boat did he? Uh... Uh, what kind of boat did he have? It was a, a small boat that he built himself. And I just remember after walking out of that interview going, there's no way I'm ever going to get in a boat with this guy. Ah, but what, 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 what kind of a small boat? Was it a sailboat, a motorboat? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A small sailboat, you oh, know, okay. uh, with a, you know, a little engine kind of thing for putting out oh, of the okay. harbor. Well, let's not tell Chris about this because I've been one of the deepest arguments that Chris and I have had over the years is the fact that I want to kayak on Lake Superior to the sea caves and she won't let me uh, go alone. And if she hears, hears that guy's story, oh my God, I'll have to, I don't know. Hey, don't, don't give her, uh, 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 let's see, what was the name of, uh, of his book? I remember uh reading uh, let's see i remember uh it was called uh in the teeth of the nor'easter oh a yeah so- what a the solo heck? voyage on lake superior well i don't know that i i'm not sure technically a nor'easter can uh, reach lake superior but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt yeah well i just like i said keith uh it seemed like uh bad weather follows this guy wherever he goes in his boat <laughs> yeah and uh, there's no way I'm going to get in a boat with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, he was like, I remember the whole premise of the story was he got in this boat. It was a beautiful day on Lake Superior. Yeah. He was going to go sailing out into the out into Lake Superior. And then all of a sudden, the cloud that looked yeah. like uh, Australia came over the top of him and, uh, you know, Destroyed everything in its path, but he hung on and lived to write his book. Yeah, well, he's not wrong about all that. Uh, you know, I've done stories about tragedies up there, and I've spoken to uh, like Coast Guard folks who rescue people, and it's yeah. it's true. You can like it, he uh, this Coast Guard ensign that I spoke to talked about how you could. You know, go out and the the lake is like glass. And he said, within 20 minutes, some winds can pick up. And then your, you know, four-foot waves are crashing all around you. And your kayak is headed right for the cliffs. Yes, yes. The uh, the weather is always, I guess, you know, for many of our authors is probably a a character in their books. And so, you know, obviously one of the most uh, famous authors from the Wisconsin side of the Wiscasota is Laura Ingalls Wilder and oh, her, right, yes. her book, the little house in the big woods, uh, you know, kind of based in her life in Pepin, uh, on the Mississippi is about that. And I remember reading that as a child, we had to, 
you know, uh, in grade school. And I remember, uh, you know, the stories just about, you know, her experiences in the winter. And one of the, this is the most memorable thing is uh, about they, they would use snow to make maple candy. And I, oh. I should probably read that because I would really like some maple candy, frankly. That sounds good. Yeah. Wow. Maple is Did my you... favorite. Maple maple syrup is my favorite. Well, you had sweet. to read the book in school. I had to watch the TV show. Well, that was a Little uh, House on the Prairie. Yeah. So that's that. Is that set in Minnesota? Yes. Yes. Somewhere so down, not quite in Wisconsin. It's down yeah. in Man, near Mankato somewhere. Yeah. The, you know, the, the geographic areas are meaningless. It was still, you know, it's in the spirit of the place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my sisters love that show. And so uh, we were forced to watch it. You know, that was their show. So if you're yeah. going to watch TV, you got to watch this. Yeah. And, you know, we sure as heck weren't going to go outside and play. We had to watch TV. So yeah. even if it was a show we didn't like, we still watched it. I don't think I, I can't remember uh, ever watching it. That might have been in the no TV era of my childhood. Yeah. Well, the uh, we did manage to see. Was it the place where she was born, or I believe so. She... I believe that was the place. It was near Pepin. Uh, you know, sort of away from. Uh, well, that would be further east from the river, and we 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 went there. I believe that's the the place that she was born with the little cabin. But I, I, that cabin is not original; it's sort of a recreation. But uh, the spot is where, where she spent a, a few years in her early life. Because she moved around a lot. They moved around a lot. Yeah, I just watched a PBS documentary about her life. Super interesting. Did she? Where did she do most of her writing as an adult? Uh, Missouri, I believe. Oh, ah, okay. She ended up living in Missouri with. Um, her husband. What, what is his name? See, I'm not a. I just remember. Well, probably that. Mr. Wilder. Yeah, Thornton. Thornton Wilder. They yeah. uh, they met. That's in, another Wisconsin uh, author. Yeah. Wait. It's not. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting. We. You got to edit this all out, Mark. It's. Uh, I don't know what what her husband's name is. No, neither do I. The. Uh, We'll just call her Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thornton Wilder is another author who was born in Madison. And I also have. That's right. A, I, so this is interesting. So, yeah, I got this list because I don't really know many Wisconsin authors. So uh -huh. I, I Googled it. Right. And right. up pops this list. 17 Wisconsin authors for book lovers to explore. And it's on the website of the Unison Credit Union in Kona, Wisconsin. And it's nestled among uh, blog posts about ATV loans, business lending, and then uh, 17 Wisconsin authors. I have no idea. There must be some reader at Unison Credit Union. But, but yeah, uh, they list Thornton Wilder. First, they list Edna Ferber, who was born in uh -huh. Appleton. And she's a novelist. Uh, uh, one of uh, one of the things she wrote was Cimarron, which was made into a movie. And I believe she wrote Giant, uh, uh, which the was James made into Dean a movie. movie? I think no, maybe I'm wrong about that. Showboat. Uh, 
1926 novel Showboat became the musical, and Cimarron, oh. yeah. Well, and Cimarron then, is that a is that a? I think it's a, a western. western. Yeah, seems like I it should it, be a western. Yeah, I believe it is, but I don't know. You know, the only reason I even know the name is because I started doing crossword puzzles, and she's a common. <laughs> she comes up on crossword puzzles a lot. But then I see Thornton Wilder's number two. And this is Thornton Wilder, of course, wrote the play Our Town. Right. Our Town is significant in my life because when I was in high school, they schlepped us onto a school bus and we went to Minnesota to the Guthrie Theater where we watched Our Town, which I think ah. is, I mean, come on, that's, uh, that's like uh, Minnesotan to its umpteenth, uh, you know. The Wisconsin author, Wisconsin kid, having to go to Minnesota to watch right. the play. To see a, a classic play like that, yeah. It was amazing. It really was. It was It was like eye-opening. It was, it was like I'm sitting up in the, you know, the seats and just going, wow, this is great, you know. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's something. Uh, that's quite the memory in the, yeah, just the whole wrapping all of Minnesconsin and Wisconsin together there yeah. in one. Yeah, that was a big deal for us. It was a, you know, uh, going to the city. I think yeah. we went to a mall, uh, which yeah. was really exciting. We had no malls, you know. No malls in Colby. No, no, no malls in Colby. And I remember a teacher saying, hey, if you want to buy some clothes, you should uh, you should bring some money because Minnesota has cheap clothes because they don't tax clothes ah there's a top so you, 10 whisker soda tip from you you know buy your clothes in minnesota i don't know if it's still the case. To, that was in 1982 some, so that that information may be a bit dated and you bought some cheap dungarees i didn't buy anything because i didn't have any money even for cheap clothes <laughs> oh man well i didn't know thornton wilder was from wisconsin so yeah. that uh that's a good one. Yeah, his father That's was a, the owner and editor of the Wisconsin State Journal, one of the one of the bedrock papers in our in our state. An eye-opening discovery here on the yep. Minnesotan Wisconsota podcast. Yeah, thanks, folks at Unison Credit Union. What? Where is Unison Credit Union located? I think it's Kaukana. Maybe we need to get them for a sponsor. <laughs> We'll put them on our potential. Well, they're outside. Or... I don't know, Mark. They're outside. You know, that's over on the east side. East side of Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Green maybe Bay. they want to expand into the, into that River Valley region. Yep. Kakana North, Kakana South, Little Chute, Grand Chute, Wrightstown, and De Pere. Nice. Well, I think they could get Wausau on there and kind of start working their way west. Yes. Uh well, any other uh, authors to talk about, Keith? I have. Uh... Oh well, you know, um, what, one of the uh, authors who you know was from Stevens Point. His name is Larry Watson. I believe he lives in Milwaukee now, and he wrote. Uh, I think this. This is now. I'm going off my memory, and not even going off of Google here. Um, but he wrote. Uh, is it? Montana 1948 I've heard of that yeah yeah so he's really well known and I I've, you know his his book was like try almost banned in one of our schools here in 
in uh, Wausau, and I I, uh, I interviewed him, and he's really good. Yes, Montana, 1948. Larry Watson, uh, he was a, a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, and he was really cool. Oh. Well, yeah, and if it's on the list of banned books, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, there was nudity in it or some sort of... I, I think there's some, actually, um, abuse, abuse problems with abuse in, in part of the storyline, and mm -hmm. people didn't yeah. like that. Well, there's another... Uh author for our listeners and that's the way we roll here on Minnesconsin and Wiscasota. We don't talk about Sinclair Lewis and uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald and Garrison Keillor. I like, we I like turn them all though. Yeah, we want to turn people on to something uh, a little different. The underground stuff, right? You do. Yeah. The, uh, oh, well, shoot, Mark, I forgot. American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Oh, and, sure, yeah. And he lived in Minneapolis for a while, and he set American Gods in uh, at the uh, at the Wacko House on the Rock. Yes, he's a big, uh, he's so big a, in Wiscasota. Yep, yep, there's a big, you know, that's a, that's a part of the setting that was important to the to the uh, book, and then yeah. another another Stevens Point, uh, which is on the edge of Wiscasota. Author, his name is Patrick Rothfuss, and he is huge in uh, in the uh, sort of fantasy world. And his his latest book is called uh, The Name of the Wind, and he's really uh, he's really a cool guy. I've interviewed him too. Really well, I think cool. Neil Gaiman uh, lives in Wiscasota, Minnesconsin. I don't know. I'm, He's British. I'm not, uh, I'm maybe. Not, yeah, I vaguely remember him. He lived in he lived in Minnesota for a while. Yeah, I vaguely remember him doing some uh, like a fundraiser or something. Yep. And uh, maybe the Stillwater area makes sense. Something like that. Yeah. I, oh, Menominee. Wow! So he, he lived I in just Menominee. googled it. It says has lived near Menominee, Wisconsin, since nineteen ninety two. Well, that's right in the middle of Wisconsin. He also resides in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Well, that's weird. Yeah, so he's 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 a he loves that Wisconsin life. Uh, Neil Gaiman, one of the biggest writers yeah. right now, ever going. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything that he puts out. Oh, great stuff. Keith, I think uh, we can wrap it up now and uh, go to another. Uh, well, I attempted my uh, great piece of writing in an essay coming up. Yep. So you got to go so, to the essay booth. Yep. So I'm going to check out here and go to the essay booth. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk uh, next week. All right. Take care. Okay. Don't get lost in the essay booth. All right, Keith, uh, this is called The Coldest Gas Station in America. Back in January of 1997, Keith and I took a drive across Wiscasota with my cousin Matt. 
a California beach boy searching for a real Northland winner. Our road trip launched on the eve of the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl 33 appearance. A handmade Packer flag crafted from a pillowcase was taped to the bumper of Keith's sedan as we drove 300 miles across frozen farm fields and snow-covered forests to Titletown. The idea was to celebrate an inevitable Packer victory in the shadows of Lambeau Field. I'll save our tales of mischief and revelry for another time. This essay is about gas stations. Very cold gas stations. Now gas is needed to get from St. Paul to Green Bay in a V8 Chevrolet. Somewhere in the middle of Wiscasota, we stopped at a convenience store and pulled up to a service island. A snowmobile was parked in an adjacent pump and its driver was filling a tank under the seat. Matt's jaw dropped like he had just spotted Bigfoot munching on a cheeseburger. What, he said, as he grabbed a cheap point-and-shoot camera and jumped out of the car. I joined him as he ran up to the sled driver. He wore thick camouflage coveralls, boots as big as beer kegs, and green and gold stocking cap, Packer colors. They let you drive that right up to the pumps, said Matt. Can I take your picture? Sure, said the snowmobile driver. He was a friendly Bigfoot. Sorry, I said. My cousin here is from San Diego. He's never seen a snowmobile at a gas station before. The man laughed. Ha, you don't have to gas up those surfboards, do you? He said. Matt snapped a few photos and we were back on the road. Welcome to Minnesconsin and Wiscasota, where the gas doesn't freeze, but you better fill up your tank because if you run out of fuel in the woods, you will die. There's a holiday gas station in Duluth that sits on the northern terminus of Interstate 35. Aaron Rodgers could throw a football into Lake Superior from the stack of windshield cleaner outside its front door. This is the coldest gas station in America. Here, on a windy winter day, you will pull up to the service island and pray for the old days when a pump jockey would greet you with a friendly filler-up? Except that would never happen in the 21st century. They just don't make people strong enough anymore to do this kind of thing during a Duluth winter. So, instead, you turn off the engine, only because it's state law, step out of the car, and into the cold. You fumble with your credit card, push worn-out buttons, wait for a beep, then jam a frozen steel nozzle into a hole half the size of a hockey puck. And then you wait. You wait and wait. You wait for the pump to fill your tank. The wind blasts your face like a hotel air conditioner stuck on max. Your fingers go cold and sting like they're pinched in a wood vise or trapped in the jaws of an angry Rottweiler. Death at the coldest gas station in America is slow and painful. When the tank is full, you rip the nozzle out, jam it into the pump, and dive back into your vehicle where it's warm. There's no waiting for a receipt. Outside of July and August, when Lake Superior temperatures hit a balmy 60 degrees, it's always Super Bowl season at the coldest gas station in America, and surfboards are nowhere to be found. You've been listening to the Minnesconsin Wiscasota podcast with your hosts Mark Niklauski and Keith Uling. Got a question for Mark or Keith? You can email them at mnwipodcast at gmail.com. That's mnwipodcast at gmail.com. Or you can share your thoughts on the Minnesconsin Wiscasota Facebook page.